0: Well, Blaine and Mickey, 1045 this zone. What's up? Happy Monday, everybody. I know it's Monday because, I mean, let's be honest, it's Monday, but it's a Titans victory. Monday, they beat the Bucks 34 to 3 in preseason game number two. Uh, the Crazy news coming out yesterday Mike Vrabel had tested positive for COVID 19, uh, announced it in his media Zoom on Sunday. So, as of now, I haven't seen any more news on that, but the Titans will pr- uh, finish practice during. Our show today. So if anything comes out new on the COVID stuff, we will let you know. Uh, but what we'll talk about today is what we saw on the field and who's making moves and who isn't making moves. And it's funny. It moves made today, though, right? Yeah, everybody. On uh, Monday. The latest round of cutdowns had to happen, I guess, uh, by the 24th, which is tomorrow at 3 o'clock. You had to be down to 80. So the Titans making their moves today. They wave Paul Adams, who's an unbelievable Story. He got cut. Then they needed an offensive lineman, so he flew to Tampa, played in the
1: game, got hurt. Yeah, he hurt his wrist. Yeah, got through him, and he put his his hand. Oh down. gosh, it looked awful. And it just like it looked like he broke that. Down. Can you can you give like football players out there some
0: advice? Like, don't stick your arm down when you fall. You you do something else, right?
1: Well, you know, it's actually things that we commonplace uh, think you know we should know to do as football players. But in this new day and age, learning how to fall, mm-hmm. and, and I'm serious now. We used to do, like, monkey rolls and all those things. You'll never see anybody doing any of that, even from middle school to high school now. None of that. So you don't know how to fall. What do you mean you don't know how to fall? Well, how often are you falling? All right. Oh, well, he got yanked and jerked and thrown. Yep. And all he had to do was, I call it monkey roll. All he had to do was fall down and roll. He put his arm down, one arm, to think that was going to hold his 300-pound Self without hurting something, whether it would have been elbow, ankle, I mean, uh, wrist, the hand. Uh, so he shouldn't have put the hand down. But I know he, he felt like he was, in my mind, he should have just rolled with it. Yep. So here's what's happened. You're always in some awkward positions as a player or, you know, some positions you never felt like you'd be in. And you kind of relax and go with it. If not, if you fight it, you will get injured. Uh, so I had to definitely learn uh, learn that on the fly. And I felt like my leg was going to get snatched up a couple times, and I just rode with it. You know, I got those bow legs, so they only go out. They don't go in. So if somebody hit me from the outside, that's like, what? And, yeah, that's when I realized how I'm about to annihilate somebody. You tried to hurt me, man. <laughs> so, that, yeah, so you got to learn how to fall, man, these days. it's new New modern era athlete uh, in football. I think that's really more so what it was. But he, man, it looked like he had a ankle. I mean, uh, I keep saying ankle, wrist or elbow type of injury. Yeah, it.
0: it, it I only saw one re- replay of it, and that's all I needed to see. Like you said, yeah. that's a lot of weight on one wrist. I mean, think about it, you're three hundred plus pounds on onto one wrist
1: because uh. his arm went straight down. Well, I, first of all, I'd ask him, "Can you do a one arm push up?" I'd ask him that, and I'm assuming he would say no. So then. Get a momentum and somebody throw you, and then say, "Oh, okay, put one arm down, and that's going to support you on yeah. your fall." No, you take that shoulder right into the dirt, and you see what happens. Start to move a shoulder, especially when you're a big offensive lineman. May be sore, but you you wouldn't have you wouldn't have broke some or had to have surgery. Well, well, I'm certain. Hopefully, it will be great. Be fine, though. Ho-
0: hopefully so, but was was definitely a guy who stepped up for the team, flew down to Tampa after he'd been cut. They brought him back on the roster. He played in the game, got hurt again. So, Paul Adams, again, local guys, Blaine, pointed out a couple times on the show. So, we obviously want the best for everybody, but we root hard for local guys. Tucker McCann. Tucker McCann is going to be one of those guys, Blaine, where a lot of people are going to forget his name eventually. But that guy might have been – well, Mike Keith said on the, on the opening game broadcast. Did he? Last year, when Brett Kern got hurt, that Tucker McCann was going to punt in the game because he's a kicker and a punter at Missouri. And something happened with a like a quad, and they wound up putting him on injured reserve. But he was set to play in an NFL game. So then he comes out this year. He plays against the Falcons. And just it's just one of those weird things. A guy tried to block the kick, was really late, rolled right into his foot. As soon as his foot came down, today he gets waived injured, Tucker McCann.
1: Yeah, bad luck, and you'll be interested to see if uh, he gets another opportunity, whether it be this season or next season, not only with the Titans, with anybody because uh, you just never know how it's going to go. So you try to get healthy. You know, We could say, you know, fix the guy now, but he could, you know, mess up and falter in the middle of the season. Uh, so you got to stay ready to rock and roll. But, man, I, I'm a big proponent, I think, on kicking is in the college level, I think being able to do both is awesome. At the pro level, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. It's a total different mechanism uh, that you're producing power at a whole different level in the NFL. And it, it, you, as you've seen, most of the times that's never worked in the National Football It works all the time in college. I mean, at the highest, you know, SEC. That like was Penn. in the SEC, yeah. I mean, yeah I mean, it doesn't it, get it, any better. It, but, it, you know, it doesn't work the same. If you want to be effective and consistent – At your job, and I bet you that's why he pulled. I I wasn't there. I have no idea, but you're changing your kicking mechanics, and if you hadn't been doing it for a while, and all of a sudden now you want to go do it, that's just like me. Oh, I haven't been sprinting for a while. Hmm, I'm asking for a hamstring injury. Immediately if I go out here and try to run a 40, it's impossible. Uh so yeah, I, I just you know, he hadn't been, you know, punning. So all of a sudden now he starts to punny. probably wasn't doing a good job and then all of a goes back out there one uh, another day and boom, there you go the quad. Yeah, because you haven't been doing this. You uh <laughs> need to stop this. You only do kicking. Two two different uh deals. So yeah. Unfortunately, but uh maybe the end though, also. I hate to be Debbie Downer. When you're kicker, you only get uh, so many opportunities. Oh, uh, and uh, bad luck there on the injury to the Falcons, man, because I, I think they wanted him to win the job. Yeah. And he was, you know, deservingly so. Was doing well. Then your man, uh Wilhoy got ficking up there, kicking for 58, looking comfortable. Hey, kicking, he kicked the kickoff, and it hit the goalpost. I know. Who the heck does that? I don't uh, man, Man, uh, I can't remember. Did Robert runs do that? I'm trying to think what kickers have done that. Rob had a leg the, the of steel. Suck up, suck up did it when I think when we played at Kansas City, maybe. Suck up hit a real long field goal against Kansas, Kansas City, City from the Arrowhead yeah, at, at, at
0: Arrowhead. Arrowhead Mike Keith's call, right uh, one yeah. of the all and that it was so cold that day, and he still made that kick, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah uh, boy, Rob Barones had a dang cannon for a leg. Yeah, Rest in peace, Rob Barones. Yeah. Oh man, no. No. Uh, Ross Reynolds, another O lineman. All these guys got waved injured. Uh, Ross Reynolds also, and then reserve COVID-19 list for defensive lineman Anthony Rush, the big dude, the big fella, who's oh. been playing really well.
1: Oh, he tested, oh. Uh,
0: so, and uh, it just he means. He must have been around variable. Means close contact. So, seriously. <laughs> right, I don't know. But, now answer me this, and, and maybe we'll get more of an expert. Well, first of all, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I, know. I, dream, I dream to be one. I know. you're going down that road. But, I, I guess as long as you test negative, then you can just keep it moving. But Vrabel was around everybody. Talked to Tom Brady. He was in a golf cart with Bruce Arians. I mean, Vrabel was everywhere. That's just going to be crazy to me. This, this is what I'm trying to say is this virus is so unpredictable. If he's the only guy who winds up with it, as he coached the game, they practiced together, everybody was right there with everybody. This is just such an unbelievably unpredictable disease, this COVID. And I had it. I mean, there's a lot of people listening who've had it, but. If he's the only guy who winds up getting it, it's going to be amazing to me. And but I know he pe- tested positive once he got back. Yes. So maybe you know. it didn't manifest itself until, until then. The I know they're wearing masks and they're, I oh got so they're just about all that. Vac- they may all be vaccinated by now, all of the Titans. And, and, and I guess it's like, again, I don't, I'm, we're not yeah, Hey,
1: coach. Isn't he around
0: everybody, everybody, everybody. And he's remember in practice, he gets hit by people and goes at guys, you know, he's got his pads and,
1: yeah, I think that's crazy. I
0: mean, He's really active. Yeah, yeah. That, that is crazy. Ooh, man, that looked like it
1: hurts my shoulders.
0: He I played he how many hit. years? Like thirteen years in the league, <laughs> and now he's out there taking more hits from huge people. Man, he's Come a on, man, human being. He's a big guy, though. Hey, Vrabel is big. <laughs> he says he's not a small fella. No, like his frame. <laughs> yeah, he's, every yeah. you stand next to Vrabel, you are like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's what NFL linebacker looks like. Looks like that guy right there. He still <laughs> looks like it. Well, it'll be uh, – It certainly we'll let you know as things happen.
1: But he seems to be doing fine. He seems to be doing just fine. tested positive. Yeah. So he's got to stay away for – I think we'll learn all the rules with Rhett, you know, I think, what, at least 10 days with uh, positive or uh, negative testing. <laughs> Two I, – I, now,
0: Lucas has been doing these in his updates, and I, we're just catching him here in a drive-by. But isn't it if he tests negative twice, Lucas, in a row – Within a 48-hour window, right? Then he can come back. Is that right? But then if not, it's just 10 days. I, I believe so. Yes, I believe that is correct.
1: Ooh, I see how you opened that window there just in case you weren't exactly correct. Yeah,
0: I just left it like a sliver open.
1: <laughs> I mean, you can peep out of <laughs> it now. Yeah. But uh, the wide receiver
0: room, we did the post-game show with our buddy, Dr. Kevin Dyson. And we, we talked about the receivers for one entire segment of that show. And at the end, Dyson looked at both of us and said, you realize Cam Cameron Batson's been on this team like three or four years. We hadn't even mentioned him. And we were so deep in the room. I think you got that wrong. I said that. It was you said it. Yeah, <laughs> it, I said that. And, and Des Fitzpatrick is a fourth-round draft pick. We never talked about him. We were talking about Chester Rogers and Mason Kinsey. And they are making this so difficult on the people who have to make the roster cuts because guys continue to play at such a high level. But I, I may have said this. There were years where we sitting here and thought, how in the world are they going to find five guys out of this room to, to five NFL receivers besides, you know, the top two guys? And now it's like they're going to have to cut dudes who go places and play. John Robinson has built up a lot of talent on this roster, especially in some of those rooms, and the receiver room might be the best example of that. So are going to cut two or three dudes that probably get some snaps and, and have catches somewhere this year.
1: We haven't found out uh, really uh, just uh... – I guess, knee with A.J. Brown. So, he may not be practicing uh, this week. So, I'm assuming he just had a little bit of swelling and they just want to get it contained and make sure he's ready to rock and roll for a long little run here. Yep. uh, Adam
0: Schefter reporting uh, has a – this is Schefter. uh, Expected to be ready for the start of the regular season despite a knee injury that recently has sidelined him during recent practices. He used recent twice, Mr. Buffalo Bill Miracle
1: truth oh, or Adam so, so, just my guess from watching Twitter, I've only been out there twice watching practice. It's when he had the red sleeve on his knee, it was some swelling in one of the knees he got scoped, and they're going, Eek. let's slow down. Wait a minute. We don't need any of this swelling. You're irritating it. Why I go out here to practice? We know what you can do. Right. Let's get it back down, get you back out here doing some drills, and then we'll go from there. Smart move especially for the stud and everybody's talking about, you know, Julio or him and all that, but he is the number one receiver. Sorry, Charlie. You've
0: got a chance to be a number one receiver for a long time. So mm-hmm. if you don't practice some in your third training camp, oh, well, yeah, we'll we you be here a long time, man. Uh, yeah. So just go, I sit down, get in a cold tub, mm-hmm. you know, have an ibuprofen and a smile. Uh, Rhett Bryant is going to jump in with us next. We'll get into all this stuff. Elijah Molden had a great game as Matt Barkley, the number two quarterback. Mackay Sargent had 16 carries again and looked like a bowling ball out there finishing runs. Down. That dude was finishing runs. We got to finish this segment, though. When we come back, Rhett Bryant is set to join us. Get the latest from uh, Mr. Titans Radio himself. It's Monday. We got you covered. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Play to Mickey 1045, the zone. Uh, Rhett Bryan stepping in to join us, executive producer of Titans Radio. Another great broadcast, uh, from Tampa. It's funny, we'll get into this in a minute. But, uh, Lucas Panzica was saying to me after the game, we were talking in the hallway before we went home after post game, and he goes, This defense still hasn't even given up a touchdown in a preseason. I get it, it's backups and backups and all that. Still, they're running around everywhere, they're playing with attitude. Guys are beating the guys in front of them. And that's all they can do. If Tom Brady's not out there, they just beat the next guy. They're beating the dudes in front of them.
2: And I think that's that's what you have to hang your hat on, is that given that it's twos against twos and threes, whatever it is, they're still playing with the things that Coach Vrabel has said he wanted in his keys to his game the, the last two preseason games. Intensity, effort, finish, you know, discipline. You know, there's not a lot of stupid penalties uh, on their part. And – the execution is there, and they're just they're flying to the ball. You're right, and I, 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 that's what you want to see in this whole deal. And uh, you know the hope is is that September 12th they line up with Big Jeff and eco Autry and all the other starters that have been limited or have not seen anything in this, and 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 move forward uh, against what potentially could be a dangerous offense in with Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I just don't want to I, – I couldn't imagine chasing around that quarterback all afternoon the way that guy I don't is. want to
2: change I – don't, I don't, I don't, no, I don't want to chase around Connor Murray.
0: No. On the Zone TV chat, uh, Cousin Tower says, Good afternoon, Rhett. And Carlos basically firing off a question. I know it's preseason, but it is an over, overreaction to be excited about the backups only giving up those six points in two games. Again, it's preseason. I get it. I don't think it's an overreaction. I mean, no, I, I mean it is no. what it, is. it it's, yeah. is. We're just reacting because right. they're doing it.
2: And here's the thing. Th- those backups – still have to make the final 53 and, and the ones that are consistently doing it are probably the the ones who are going to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's positives to take out of this. Uh, there's plenty of work to be done as the coaches and evaluators will tell you, but you know, I, I like what I've seen in places um, so far.
1: Rhett Bryan, executive producer of Titans radio joins us here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, give us clarity before we go into the Floyd and as with the COVID-19 and what You know, Vrabel, who's now Mm -hmm. tested positive, what are the rules for him to come back in the situations where he could come back sooner than later based off his testing? Sooner,
2: two negative tests within 48 hours, Mm. and if not, 10 days of quarantine. Mm. That's where we are.
1: Now, do you – I mean, he had to be around other people, whether it was in Tampa or here. And nobody else has tested positive, which is crazy. But we all know this is crazy anyway. I think
2: the close contact stuff, uh, which we don't know what those numbers are, I think that number would be interesting. Because, I mean, Lord knows the head coach is going to be
1: around his players and his staff. So At some point, (laughs) whether you're at a mic and talking to him in a form of a whole team or on the field, coaching staff meetings. Right. And those – um, you know, those trackers they have
2: are gonna give them all the intel on that with oh. the you know, those little tracing things they put in those bracelets or whatever. Now don't forget now they waived Paul Adams, Tucker McCann, and Ross Reynolds injured, but now defensive lineman Anthony Rush is is on the uh reserve COVID nineteen Oh so that's, man, yeah. he
1: was doing pretty well. I mean, he Yeah. He he might have he might he had an outside shot of making it on the roster. Yeah. With the, the injury, I guess, what was the kids whose foot is uh, damaged? Uh, Conley? Uh, Cooley? Oh, you're talking about uh, Trayvon, Trayvon Cooley? Yeah, Cooley. Yeah, yep. yeah, so uh, that, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Well, naturally, uh, we had our dear friend uh, Floyd Reese pass away, him and his wife Sally, and, and the whole crew and family and friends of the family and everybody else. We all, you know, are, are praying for them. Yes. But uh, I, I guess kind of take us through – your Your relationship and your interaction with with Floyd uh being with the organization for a while
2: well, as you well know, Floyd was good to just about anybody mm-hmm. I mean he was very kind, very gracious, very gracious with his time
1: mm-hmm. yeah and
2: was. i you know i I think I've been thinking a whole lot about Miss Sally and the family and mm-hmm. what they're going through. I can't imagine what that's been like uh since we got the news on Saturday that he had passed and, and i I'd, I'd learned that uh pretty brief illness that he had gotten sick and i'd learned that back in the early part of the summer and that it wasn't going well uh i, I think the thing that you can take solace in is that he knew that he was going to be inducted into the titans ring of honor and how excited he was that that was such a big deal that Eddie amy adams strunk would do that for him and he certainly has his place there mm-hmm. i mean you know he drafted blaine bishop he drafted eddie george he drafted Steve McNair, he added top-notch free agents. You know, he's the architect of the 99 Super Bowl team. And, you know, I forget how many, 61 wins and multiple playoff appearances, two AFC championship game appearances. And, and you know, his history goes back. I mean, he was with Bud Grant with the Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, way back when it was a strength and conditioning coach when that was really wasn't a super popular thing to be and, and learned, you know, through the front office part of it and became a very good general manager couple of stories I'd share with you one um, one of my fond most fondest Floyd Reese memories was the day of the AFC championship game in Jacksonville mm. and I had told him briefly uh, he had pass when passing just you know, I'm not trying to bother the GM his team's getting ready to play for a shot at the Super Bowl and he didn't need to be talking to me but I just I said Floyd it's amazing how many of people around here are just talking smack I mean, the weather lady on television that morning. (laughs) That's a great day. It's going to be a beautiful forecast today and going to be in the high 60s, low 70s. Great day for the Jacksonville Jaguars to make their way to Super Bowl 34. Just foregone conclusion. I said, Floyd, it's even down to the press elevator operator right there. This gentleman just in one of those yellow CSC jackets (laughs) running his gums, man. Talking smack. He goes, oh, really? I said, yeah, it's really. They're really kind of super confident about this whole thing. And so it's all over. You guys have won it. You're going to Super Bowl 34, and here I am headed to that press elevator, and who is right in front of me? Floyd and Sally Reese. They're elated, happy as you'll ever see them. We get on the elevator. Floyd nudges me. and goes, is that the gentleman? I said, yep. He said, boy, that's – he just starts laughing. He had an infectious <laughs> laugh He had anyway. a great laugh. And, it, and we were just – we just had a great moment with that as we all walked to the locker room. And there's the celebration beginning as you guys are going to play for the world championship. Um, I I think about that. That was a really cool one. And uh, I forget, what was the other thing I mentioned to you, Lucas, that I was going to talk about Floyd? I can't remember what I've I've been thinking about Floyd
0: so much. Oh, A call about Titans Radio. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's right.
2: So I'm on this very station over 25 years ago. And it's a classic rock station. I'm playing Jethro Tull and Pink Floyd and whatever. And I'm working 7 at midnight. I'm the jock that works at night. And 30, 45 minutes into my shift, I get a call from Houston, Texas. And it is Floyd Reese's administrative assistant. His secretary is calling, and they're checking around town to see about um, who would be interested in carrying the radio rights? And I said, oh, ma'am, uh, please, I, I want to give you this name. This is our general manager. In fact, here's his home number. <laughs> you really <laughs> need to talk to this guy. And little did I know, you know, sometime later, here they are. They've won the 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 bidding war and the rights of this thing. And, you know, the Tennessee Oilers Radio Network, all of a sudden out of that is born and then becomes Titans Radio. And uh, but, yeah, I, I just I remember that vividly that that was a thing, but the, the part with miss Sally and, and Floyd at the AFC championship game, I'll never forget it. And, and later on, as we have loaded up our equipment and we're getting on the team buses to go back to Nashville, which, you know, so many people were waiting at the the stadium that night in 30 degree weather. Uh, he comes up and just gives me the biggest bear hug on the bus. He's just, you can't smack the smile off his face and, and for obvious and good reasons, but you know, his contributions to the franchise are just – you can't measure them all. I mean, he he really built the foundation for what is the Titans and, and got Titans fans so enthralled and engrossed in, in the fan base from day one and did anything he could to pitch in and help that cause. And when he – you know, Mike Keith shared the story this morning on J. Martin Ramon about how how fired up he would get back before – mobile apps and mobile tickets and electronic tickets where people would wait at Ticketmaster outlets and at the stadium for single game ticket. He would get so fired up because so many people were waiting to just snap those things up. And he wanted to make sure that he tried to put the best absolute product out there uh, for, for you know, for the fans' money. And, uh, yeah, he will be sorely missed. No question.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I, I would add to that just that he was the ambassador and the kind of the pillar and the foundation on the move and the transformation yes, Houston to here with, with coach Fisher and, and really been out in the forefront of, of everything, uh, representing the organization. And that's who he was. And he was a fun loving guy and he was just kind of a down to earth guy that everybody could relate to. And I think that's what made him so special. Uh, you know, I think that's why he's so beloved. Uh, and he didn't ever, you know, he took things seriously, but you know, when things didn't go right or wrong, he always had this, all right, well, all right, we'll learn from him, we'll move forward. And he would always come in, you know, and talk to all the players afterwards, thank us for just even, you know, performing. And whether we won or lost, he said, Hey, live for another down. He'd be pissed off probably for the next couple of days, just like everybody else. And then he'll move forward and move right. on. And uh, I just appreciated his care and his love. I-, I remember when they released me, you know, he called, we had a conversation for about 30 minutes. It, w- it was just, you know. It was heartbreaking. You know, he was like, you, you know, you've know, you been the heart and soul of our team, appreciate everything you've done and, and everything else. And so that was a great opportunity for me to say, oh, okay, well, thanks. I appreciate it. I was so good for you. You cut me, right?
3: <laughs>
1: that's how I would talk to him. And he was like, yeah, you know, all good things must come to an end. <laughs> and that's what he would say, stuff yeah. like that, with a joke and a laugh, and says, but uh, you'll be fine, and uh, we'll eventually uh, move forward, and it'll be hard to replace you, but at some point – you know, uh, you know, we'll love you to be a Titan forever. So well, that's who he was, and that's how he would have conversation with guys. I think they appreciated that, and that's you know, that's what we were. We were all a big family, and that's how he made you feel part of the organization. Well, and and, and that's a perfect example, right mm-hmm. there. Is he? I know it
2: pained him to make that phone call. It had oh, I did. To. You were such. It, a huge... it paid
1: me to take the call. Too. Well,
2: <laughs> I, I, I think that kind of goes without saying. That certainly is the no, well, worst part of that two two no, way doubt. street. Floyd, but I though. know, I know yeah. that hurt him. I, you know, I'm sure it hurts John Robinson every time he has to do that with anybody, or, yeah. or
1: you know, Mike Vrabel. But um, well, some, you know, people are unattached. You know, it's just like, hey, we're going to cut you by. Thanks. Yeah, it's
2: it's yeah. more of a business approach. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think about what John Robinson said Saturday in Tampa. And he said he told the story. He said, "When I was being interviewed here, I called him and see to see if he would talk to Steve Underwood uh, about considering my candidacy for to be the next general manager." And he said, "Floyd, without hesitation, did that, and that's the first time that he had talked to uh, Steve Underwood since he had been let go fired, as the general track. manager." Mm-hmm. That's the kind of person yeah, that's he who was. he is. Yeah, no doubt. And what a huge move that has turned out to be for the Titans in John Robinson, who was carving out his own legacy in this thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, just something simple like that, that probably wasn't easy, but he did it.
0: Oh, Brett Bryan, executive producer of Titans radio. Some great memories. Let's get into, uh, before you go, let's, let's talk then a little bit about the current, uh, cur- roster, yeah. the current stuff and the roster that John Robinson is building. Yep. Rhett, we were saying this in the first segment. We talked about a lot in the postgame show. I can remember in the past them struggling to find quality receiver depth at all. I mean, they struggled with wide receiver depth last year at the end of the year because mm-hmm. of injuries. They're going to cut dudes who've been incredibly good in this preseason. That room has been one of the more fun storylines to watch and just a reminder of you can, watch a guy, you can watch a guy go and give everything he's got and play as well as physically he can play And maybe he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time, because that's going to happen to some of those dudes over there.
2: And that's how the Titans have acquired and other the other 31 teams in in previous years have acquired things like that. It's just a numbers game where it just didn't work out for, you know, whoever this person is because of a a depth uh, deal at a a particular position. But yeah, uh, you know, that's the hope is that your team has made enough strides forward that a lot of the dudes you let go are going to be playing for somebody else. They've already got a good audition tape and are going to find – and you may see them down the road in the season. Uh, you know, I think the exception to that rule in in terms of this roster is going to be the trouble that they've had with all the health issues at the O-line and probably the tight end room. Uh, but for these receivers, yeah, we're going to see some of these guys in different unis in, in just a
0: few weeks. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, How close and, – and I – you, I mean, you don't have to, don't put a guarantee on it. The rest route, Brian, guarantee you don't have to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> How close is Matt Barkley to being the number two quarterback of this team?
2: Well, he certainly took a step forward Saturday night, I think. But here's the thing, and here's the conundrum that the Titans, I think, are going to get into in this is, you know, A.J. McCarron has torn an ACL. Oh, I know. Arthur's like looking like Mr. Burns right now. Yes. yes. Bring me Homer Simpson. <laughs> um, so, you know, does he go, all right, let's wait for them to release Logan, and boom, here we go, because I know he knows my system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, is Logan the guy you want if something happens to number 17, if something happens to Ryan Tannehill? Because whereas Matt Barkley's in his early 30s and has been around the block and has had starting time, and he you know, he's last three years with the Buffalo Bills. That's not a bad place to be. Um, so you just got to look at it from those terms um, as to what's what. It's again, it's a numbers game. So uh, with what Matt Barkley was able to do the other night, you know, I, I think he's got a, a serious shot to be the backup. But every time that Logan Woodside throws a dime to. You know, Des Fitzpatrick, who needed a shock paddle in this thing, you know, it makes you think.
0: Absolutely, Rhett Bryan, our guest. We do have a caller, Wildcat, who wants to share a Floyd Reese story with you, Red, and with awesome. uh, and with Blaine, both of you, who worked with Floyd a lot longer than I did. But uh, I also loved every time I ever got to talk to that guy. I loved that smile on his face. Wildcat, thanks for calling. The Spain Real Estate Hotline. Say hello to Rhett Bryan. Hello, Boo.
3: What's going on, sir? Um, it's going to be short and sweet, but, you know, when I was a kid, I was there when the Titans came, you know, where, you know, Titans came as the Oilers and all that big fan. And um I remember when my dad, we had a good father and son moment going to the training camp and uh Floyd Grease would be out there and um, you know, players would sign autographs, you know, after practice and all that. And I remember, Hey, Mr. Floyd, come over here, sign autograph. And he would laugh and he would shake his head. And then, but I didn't give up like five minutes later, I'd, I would yell at him, Hey, Mr. Floyd, come over here. i need your autograph. Um, I'd like to meet you. And the dude literally took time out out of, out of his own day talking to Jeff Fisher and came over here and not only did he sign an autograph, he had like a five, 10 minute conversation with me and my dad. And, uh, you know, that's something that's hard to find in, uh, today's world, especially with tons of egos out there and, and whatnot. So, um, just the moral of the story the dude was just an awesome man. Like, you know, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. That guy was really cool. So just want to throw that out there to y'all.
2: Yeah. Thanks for the call. That's a great story. Yeah. That's one of many, I'm sure just like that. Yeah. Uh, very unassuming he was, that's why he got that laugh and like, nah, are you sure you want my autograph? You got (laughs) the, I mean, here's Javon curse or here's who, (laughs) you know, so I could, I can hear that. I can visualize that. And, And Blaine, I think you're right. Um, he deserves so much credit with you guys moving from Houston. I mean, he and, and Jeff Fisher mm-hmm. is the two spearheads of this thing. I don't care. You can make all the seven and nine, eight and eight jokes of Jeff Fisher all you want. It's amazing that you guys went eight and eight three years playing in three different stadiums and eventually four different in consecutive seasons. But I know that those times when you felt like you were the on an island by yourselves as a team, you were vagabonds, that's where you built your relationships. And then as you add in the Eddie Georges, the Steve McNairs, the free agents, drafting Javon Curtis, that is what built
1: that 99 and 2000 team that was lights out. I have no doubt. Yeah. And that's where this team is getting now. John Robinson in a sharp window here in you know, the last you know four years have built a really great roster and it's going to have to make some Some tough cuts, uh, too. So uh, I want to get your thoughts on the running back situation and and your your man Sargent. Where does he line up with with Hill and McNichols and with Evans nicked up? We don't know the extent of the injury. Hopefully it's something short-term, but that could depend on, you know, who's the third guy. I think Makai Sargent
2: has a shot to make this roster. If he shows again Saturday night against the Bears, I think he's going to make his case. I think he's already maybe made his case in this thing because um, we don't know the extent of Darrington Evans and how long he's going to be shelved. And Jeremy McNichols has been very serviceable, but Makai Sargent's running with a purpose, man. Yeah. I mean, he he's one of those Iowa dudes. Kurt Ferentz, how many guys he got playing in the league yeah. that are just Still seem like they're developing. ready to roll? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, we got one right back there in the secondary that's going to be great in Imani Hooker in year three. Mm-hmm. I really like what I see out of him. You can tell he's taking a step forward, but you're right. I mean, there's tough decisions to be made. Lots of guys playing in other places that are not going to be on this roster. And you just hope that they've got the right personnel, because if that third down defense is straightened up a bit and the pass rush is better than what it's been, and the offense's continuity is, you know, as good as it's been the last 30, 40 games, hey, here we go. Well, speaking of that, are fun. you a
1: little nervous that, you know, the, the offensive line and the offensive unit, the starters, haven't really been healthy enough to even practice. I, I'm cool. If they were practicing, that, that, then that leads to games. So then I'm, I'm getting a little nervous that even they're going to be ready to start practicing. Well, I know a lot the of the ones have
2: been weeks. held out for, you know, load management reasons. But, yeah, I, there's a concern there. I wouldn't uh, – yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. And they've had so many guys get dinged up, especially in the back end of the rotation in this thing. So – yeah, and that's another thing where I'm glad we're after Saturday night, you've got, you know, a little over 12, 13 days, whatever it is before the regular season to try to get some health there.
0: Oh, cool. fantastic stuff. As always a uh, great broadcast, uh, the coach you. coach's show tonight will not feature the coach, obviously It'll what he's dealing with, but you'll have the GM, tonight, the
2: general manager that we've been speaking of. John Robinson will take uh, your questions on Twitter at Titans radio. We urge you to bring those along. He will be glad to answer those at Titans radio on Twitter. And we'll look forward to talking to you all
0: tonight at 6 o'clock. I'm giddy about it. Once we go to, like, our Titans weekly broadcast, all the stuff that you and Mike and Keith Bullock and Amy uh – Knowing that stuff is on every evening. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy listening. Oh, listen, to. it's, it's the great.
2: Best. Yeah, and, and very soon, just a couple of weeks from now, that it'll be
0: talk, the whole thing.
2: It, yeah, it will be Mike Vrabel on Monday nights at six. Mac Talk with Coach Mac and myself on Tuesday nights at six. Keith Bullock Show Titans tonight and Wednesday nights at six. Setting up the table for another week of of uh, you know Titans football.
0: I love it. It's football season, Red Bryant. Yes. No doubt uh, when we come. No doubt <laughs> when we come back. Um, I got to do something fun. On Saturday night, i got to throw out a thank you to one of our listeners, and we'll keep this discussion going well. Uh, One of the Titans defensive backs got an unbelievably good compliment on Twitter from the guy who he may turn out to be like if everything goes well. We'll tell you that, too. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blade and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Elijah Molden, I don't even know what you call it, explodes through the line of scrimmage on a blitz, goes underneath to, like, slid. Like, all I could think of was this. There's a scene in Home Alone where Macaulay Culkin steals a toothbrush accidentally, and he's, he takes it and he freaks out because he sees the next-door neighbor who he thinks is trying to kill him. Sorry if I'm spoiling this movie for anybody, Home Alone. Then he just starts running, and he gets to the ice rink, and he slides on his knees, remember? And he slides no, across the ice rink. Come home alone, you yeah, know. This. I
1: remember Home Alone.
0: He yeah, like slides this. under the
1: security guard. He slides under the security guard. Oh, no, Alex
0: Molden pulled mm-hmm.
1: the Home Alone. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, the security guard was not trying to block him. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I get where you're trying to get the sliding part. The sliding in. Sliding part. Yeah, the home the Alone. Incident. He home you know, loaned him. I thought, man, you know, <laughs> I really, really appreciate and love that play. And it's more because it's about hustle. I don't even think he saw the guard. The guard was coming off, uh, or the center, whoever it was, was coming off a double down. And he was really thinking, uh oh, I'm about to beat this guy initially, the other, you know, offensive lineman, and I'm going to inside him. And then he was already going to this, I call it a slither technique, where you kind of lean and you get low so you can get by the lineman because you're a lot smaller than them. And then when he saw the other guy at the last minute at his peripheral, he said, uh oh duck, and then meanwhile, he kind of, you know, kind of stumbles a little bit over someone's foot or trying to get his footing because he saw him at the last minute and just kind of went underneath and used his, I'm sure he was a running back at time, put his hand down, boom, bounced Bounce up off right the ground, out. just like a running back. That's why all those things come in handy. And then went after the quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, just exciting to see, uh, you know, he is, you know, what I, I said that on Titans Radio. He is what I thought he could be. Uh, he's that You know, in this era of football, that slot corner is a special dynamic player. He is actually a starting corner. Because if you go ask the starting corners on the outside, they can't do what he does. And he can't do what they do because he doesn't have the length. Right. Guess what? The first rounder, if he was blitzing there, he would have got smashed. Serious. Point blank. I don't have to know nothing about him, but six three, six two, and trying to do what he did, you can't do it. But the 5'10 guy can do that. The 5'9 guy can do that. Uh, so uh, it's just great to see because you're a multifaceted player in that you blitz, you play linebacker, you get after the quarterback, you play in the run game. You also have to have lateral quickness to now guard these slithery, fast, quick, dynamic slot receivers, let alone you have to have breakaway speed. And, you know, it's kind of that hybrid corner safety guy. That that hybrid guy, very valuable now. On our teams, it was Donald Mitchell, uh, Stevie Jackson, when he got later in his career. Those guys were, you know, man, they were special, special players. And now with three wides all over the place, uh, that's what he provides. And that's worthy of a draft pick. So, yeah, I would say uh, we got a good little taste of what he could be right there all in one game. We got to to see it all. Tackles, reaction time, toughness, uh, the want to, the never give up. He's just a heck of a football player. And I I think it resonates with me because I I feel like my style was somewhat similar in that I played hard, but I was a football guy. You put me on a measuring tape. I'm not going to be the fastest. I'm not going to be the tallest. But when you turn on the tape, you go, we're going to have to address this guy. And that's what Molden's going to be. Mm-hmm.
0: He got a tweet from Tyron Matthew who said people will regret not drafting him sooner than he said. Real football guy.
1: Just exactly what you just said. Yeah, that's just you know, and, and, and what happens is in, in the draft, people get caught in the measurables. And it's really fascinating to me because it goes on, you know, every team is doing it. You know, we as players go, well, dang, man, we took this guy in the first round. He can name any guy. And we go, yeah, well, how long is it going to take him to develop? We need him now, depending on where your team is at. may take him another year. With the guy in the third round, you feel like, man, this guy, he's ready to go right now. Now, he may have peaked already, and the the upside of the talented first-round pick is always there, but there's always a risk that he never reaches that talent. Right. And it, it, it goes on and on forever, but that upside, boy, if they do, like I don't, I don't know if Farley's going to ever. Everybody's all fascinated with his size and his length, and I am too. Yeah. But when I saw Scotty Miller run right by him on the out and up, and he didn't give him a lot, he just said, "Hey, I'm on out." Did he look back for the ball? Nope. He didn't give him anything to suck him in, and he said, "I'm about to hit the afterburners." That was just a bad ball. That out
0: Yeah, that yeah.
1: <laughs> he was open, and he he got beat, and he was not gaining ground. Uh, so remember, that was one of my concerns about that surgery is you never reach back to that top end speed. This is coming from someone who played receiver and had that surgery. And they just said they could never recreate. And then this guy was a four three guy all day long. Uh, he said, I never could get back to that. He said, I got back to like four or five, but that, that my game was built around speed. And if we want to ask him, that was Chris Sanders. Yeah. Had that same surgery. Mm-hmm. And guess what his, his career ended because of the back surgery. So, And this is a different time. I'm sure he get better. But he still says when he came back, that was the final straw that he just could never recreate. He couldn't get it back. He just couldn't. And this guy worked out like a demon. We're talking about running in the sand pits and right. all kind of – man. This it guy, wasn't a lack of work on his part. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we did get a
0: little taste of it uh again with the, That was awesome to see though. Wow. And like you said, he stuck his nose in the line on run plays. He he was instinctive all over the field all those things you're talking about. And and that's why all the talk about Christian Fulton and I know we got to take a break. But it's like uh, a lot of people who listen to to the station and people who follow the Titans like, you can just stick him in the slot. Uh, no, no, it's a, it's, different a different, it's a different thing. It's it's too it, – I know it's yeah, both as cornerback. Yeah, That's Amari Rowe. Right. He, he was
1: both... elated when Donald said, oh, yeah, you <laughs> can have that. <laughs> yeah, he like blitzing he it all. When you see some big 6'5 guy coming at you and you, you don't have nowhere to go, nope. you go, you, you want me You want me blitzing the A-gap? Mm-hmm. And you loop around. Why can't the D lineman loop there and I go, well, just stay outside? Yeah, well, that's how it's set up because they don't expect you to go in there.
0: Hey, man, come on in, little fella. Let's see what you got.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that was, I mean, he was the highlight of of the game. Uh, Besides the backup quarterback battle, I love how they implemented them going two series back-to-back because that's exactly how you'll be as a backup quarterback you know, you got to go in there at the last minute and, hey, we got to keep things rolling. Right. I, that's the most pressure you can have. And they told him they were going to do that. So I really like that. As much as I, I like Logan Woodside, I think Barkley, if they do that again, Barkley's only been here two weeks, let's say that. Yeah. And, and he looked already like it's a draw. And to me, if I say it's a draw now, then Barkley's the guy. And I, I hate it because he, Woodside, been here. He, yeah, he's been here and he deserves it and You know, they talk about he can get picked up by, you know, (laughs) the Falcons. But, uh, hey, it's about winning. And if Barclays gives you the best chance of winning with Tannehill, if he ever goes down, knock on wood, I think you you could care less and you could find another quarterback to develop or to put on that practice squad where he can learn uh, the offense.
0: Well, we'll certainly continue this discussion into the next hour. Hope to tap into some of these post-practice press conferences. The Titans will be doing that in the second hour of the show. We hope to check in there as well. We'll also have our Ding Dong of the Week coming up in hour number two. So you can go ahead and hit us in the Zone TV chat with your Ding Dong of the Week. And uh, you can also tweet us at Blaine and Mickey. This is Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Ding.